Welcome back to the Advent Calendar House, the official holiday podcast for people who organize meetings with three different versions of themselves, all of whom are action heroes. Today we're skating on thin ice back to 1993 for a very educational trip to Bluffington to rewatch Doug's Christmas Story. I am bitter, ousted politician with a microphone and a self-help line, Mike Westfall. And joining me is weaponized dessert maker and host of the Pop Arena YouTube channel. Please welcome Greg Stevens. Hello, Greg. Hello. Why does this cupcake taste like (laughs) gunpowder? You tell me. Greg, thank you for coming on to the show. We've known each other online for, oh, about 17 years now, I think. Uh, Something like that, yeah. yeah. Uh, And I love what you've been doing these past few years on YouTube, especially relevant to this show, Knickknacks. You want to briefly plug that? Uh, Yeah, I believe you mentioned it on this uh, podcast before, but Knickknacks is a show-by-show history retrospective of the channel Nickelodeon. Uh, it covers every single show that ever aired on the channel. And it's been going for three years and we've made it all the way to 1987. <laughs> so that that should tell you how extensive this project is. It's so extensive. And I really like that you're going in chronological order, at least as far as the beginning on or as far as it beginning on Nickelodeon goes, because it helped bring back to my consciousness a lot of things I haven't watched or thought about in a very, very, very long time. And then I remember being really into them as a kid, like Belle and Sebastian and Spartacus mm-hmm. and the Sun Beneath the Sea. For some reason, I watched a lot of that. Yeah, the, part of the reason I started the project was a lot of histories of Nickelodeon cut so much of the channel's content out. For most for most history retrospectives, you get like you might get a mention of Pinwheel, but mostly you start with you can't do that on television. Wow, really? And then, I don't know, I, yeah, and then you and then maybe some stuff happens. Maybe someone will mention uh, uh, Double Dare, and then <laughs> you get to 1991, the Nicktoons, and everything takes off after that. <laughs> like the first ten years of Nickelodeon's history is. Uh, incredibly underrepresented in these histories. So that's um, a main part of the motivation in the Knickknacks project. Uh, Well, thank you. You've done an amazing job so far. Uh, That amazes me just, I guess, because of my own memory of that time. And it's not like a really well-formed memory, but as you've been getting to each of these shows, it's like, oh, yeah, but... But to your point, here's where things really take off. We're talking about Doug, the first officially branded Nicktoon. Yes. And the last of the original trilogy to get a Christmas episode. Yes. Oh, yeah. That goes really late into its own run. Uh, This Christmas episode aired December 12th, 1993, during its last season on Nickelodeon before Disney acquired uh, Jim Jenkins' Jumbo Pictures. Have you watched a lot of Disney's Doug? I have. It's not as atrocious as a lot of people would say. I think a lot of the criticism for it goes to kind of that that base. This is different, and I don't yeah. like things that are different. Kind <laughs> of, kind of want to hold on to the past instinct. Uh, it's not as good, 
as Nickelodeon's Doug. I'll mm-hmm. concede that. Uh, but I, it's far from a bad show. That's the impression I got, because I admittedly have not seen a lot of Disney's Doug. I can see they changed quite a bit when they moved it over, but from the little I've seen, it doesn't look bad at all. No. Mentioned Jim Jenkins created Doug. This show is his baby, but I didn't realize until you brought it up on Knickknacks that he got a start at Nickelodeon on the first show, Pinwheel. Yes, Jim Jenkins is a uh, kind of a legacy figure for Nickelodeon. He was there on day one. Uh, he was a puppeteer and art designer for Pinwheel, Nickelodeon's very first show. Uh, he also did acting and art design for some of their uh, much less remembered first couple of shows like By the Way and Hocus Focus. And uh, yeah, so we had this long history with Nickelodeon, left, kind of pursued animation, created Doug as a commercial character that he would use for like Orange Juice commercials or uh, the USA network. He created Doug for those. And then when Nickelodeon was looking for original animation, here's this trusted uh, creative figure. Uh, Not a huge creative figure, but a trusted legacy figure with a kind of a character already in the works. Yeah, and I did go back and I did find these commercials you were talking about. Like it was a station ID for USA Network, and it's a really early version of Doug and, and even Porkchop, his dog is there in some form. Uh, and then there's this other one uh, for Florida Citrus that is clearly a more, it's closer to the the Doug that we know, same kid, green vest and everything. Except in that commercial, I I think he's supposed to be an adult in that commercial. Oh, is he? Uh, oh, dear. I think so, which is, it, it's kind of the, like, you can't really age the Doug character out of no. context. Like there's no age signifiers on him at all. Nope. Like he's almost he's almost got like adult kind of that almost almost a balding thing with the way his hair is drawn. Uh, yeah, yeah. That you could you could pass him off as an adult in a certain context. Well, in the commercial, he's wearing pants, so grown-ups wear pants. Exactly. <laughs> but I remember. Do you have any memory of the amount of hype surrounding the first set of Nicktoons? Oh, yeah, that's one of my uh, I think I'm uh, I'm well, I'm definitely a bit younger than you, but I was just at that right age to remember the initial hype for the first three Nicktoons, which was Doug, Rugrats and Ren and Stimpy. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, I couldn't watch the premiere because they aired it at like into the evening and past 6 p.m. is adult TV time. They take over the TV, Mm -hmm. so I couldn't. I missed the, the, the premiere completely. I remember the premiere being a huge deal. They'd have these commercial programs declaring August 11th, 1991 to be come a historic date, which, well, I remembered it almost 30 years later from those. So mission accomplished, I guess. But yeah. I don't think I caught the initial premiere, but I remember that Sunday morning being parked in front of my TV so I wouldn't miss it. And there's Doug. <laughs> well, this that was kind of the... Uh like like kids or in a bit after, more later 90s kids they have that uh who's the best starter pokemon bulbasaur squirtle or charmander for for <laughs> me it's what's the best nicktoon doug rugrats and ren and stimpy 
I think it's Doug. What's your answer? I my answer is also Doug, though. Uh, as a kid, I probably would have leaned into Ren and Stimpy just because uh, I met a friend at school that year. I was in sixth grade that year, and he was all about Ren and Stimpy. But but I kind of leaned toward Doug. Something about Doug just spoke to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Doug is. I think Doug. You you would never think of it because it's such a calm-ish kind of quaint cartoon. Yeah. Uh, but it's there really wasn't anything like it or uh before 1991. Like you can follow trends for the other two shows. Mm-hmm. Like Rugrats, Rugrats, very good show, but I don't think that would have happened if without the previous market of babyfied character cartoons like Muppet Babies oh, wow, and yeah. uh, uh, Tom and Jerry Kids, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I think Rugrats kind of built off of that with original characters. And Ren and Stimpy, that's uh, a much more a much more scatological take on kind of a Looney Tunes logic uh, world. A slice of life uh, cartoon like this, I think the only thing uh, that precedes this that's like that is probably peanuts. Wow, I think you're right. Now that you put it in that context, Doug is very much 90s peanuts, except maybe a little less geared toward the adults because, you know, peanuts have those adult jokes. Sally and the pumpkin patch, you owe me restitution, <laughs> which no five year old's going to get, but a five year old might be able to understand what Doug's going through a little bit, maybe a little too young, but it's closer than you owe me restitution. Yeah. uh, Peanuts uh, definitely has a much more cynical edge to it (laughs) than Doug. Um, There's really not a whole lot you can compare to before Doug, but there's a ton you can compare to after Doug, after Doug, you get, Hey Arnold, you get uh, recess, you get as told by Ginger Pepper Ann shows like that, that I think Doug really opened the door for. That's a good point. Now that you mention all of those, I'm like, yeah, you're right. This is really not the first of its kind, but definitely did open that sort of door for more of that content. I feel like it, it was absolutely for the best. So, yeah, well, let's dive into this Christmas episode or maybe not because the lake's frozen, but I I am very much of the theory that they wrote the pork chop plot stuff first, then realized, okay, well, this plot involves a frozen pond. We're going to be drawing Bluffington all snowy anyway. We might as well make it the Christmas episode. Oh, yeah, that's exactly what's going on here. It's titled Doug's Christmas Story. It takes place around Christmas. It's about as Christmassy as Die Hard. So I'm calling it a Christmas special because that's what the title says. But as we find out, we'll see it it veers way off the the bright lights and Christmas joy that we're used to for these. But but let's do it. It's a few days before Christmas in Doug's hometown of Bluffington and all his friends and similarly aged peers are out skating and playing hockey on Lucky Duck Lake. Very hard not to Charlie Brown here, but it's fine. Mm-hmm. What I really like about this scene is how not every kid is 
has professional hockey equipment. So they just grabbed something close enough. And that made, that made it feel real to me because that's exactly what my friends and I would have done. Oh, same here. Yeah. Doug's using a rake as a stick. They're using a pine cone as a puck. Yes. Uh, I think his pal Skeeter's using a kitchen broom. Meanwhile, Dogs Doug Porkchop kind of slides through the middle of the game, miraculously doesn't get hit with a hockey stick, and then ends up sliding toward a dangerous corner of the lake where a sign warns thin ice, the Chekhov's gun of frozen ponds. Who put the who who do you think put the sign there? Like what does that job entail? Just <laughs> crossing your fingers, tying a rope around your waist in a tree and just hoping for the best. Yeah, they, they drew straws or picked the lightest person in the uh, parks and rec office. Uh, we see a bunch of the uh, the Doug, the the characters from Doug here. Oddly missing. No Roger Klotz. Yeah. Roger Klotz is completely absent from this episode. Like I looked for him in this opening scene after it was over thinking, was Roger in this? No, Roger's nowhere. That's a good point to start talking about our voice cast. I I think we'll touch on him as we go. But Doug Funny and Roger, who's not here, is Billy West. Dear Journal, funny how on the brink of the best holiday of the whole year, the worst thing that could possibly happen happened. And I think this, by virtue of airing an hour before Ren and Stimpy, might be most people's introduction to Billy West. Yes, I think he had one thing before this, which was the... Uh, the very, very short-lived Benny and Cecil revival oh, in the late yeah. 80s, which got like like five episodes and then was dropped. Yep. <laughs> because ABC pulled it amid rising tensions with the revival's creator, John Crick Falusi. Hindsight's twenty twenty, kids. Good old John K. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> look, look it up, kids, if you're wondering why we're kind of grimacing audibly. The ice is, in fact, so thin that it cracks perfectly around the warning side, causing it to plunge in the water. So Doug's classmate, BB, doesn't see it when she goes to fetch the pine cone puck on thin ice. Never mind the large, very visible cracks. She misses those entirely. She's immensely unaware of her surroundings in this. Go away, pork chop. I'm busy. BB is played by Alice Platon, whose voice I first encountered in a 1975 cartoon. Are you familiar with the Maurice Sendak musical Really Rosie with Carol King? I know it. I know the title. I've not seen it. Okay, so Alice Platon is the alligator from the storybook Alligators All Around in that. I also know her as the voice of first generation My Little Pony Baby Lickety Split. Ooh. And in the movie Legend, she was Darkness's goblin minion Blix. Ah, I think I know that one. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> but BB, there's now a visible hole in the ice and cracks going increasingly large around it. But nope, got to get that pine cone. And despite Porkchop's efforts to keep her away, he decides the only way to get her to safety is to grab onto her leg and pull her away with his teeth because he's a dog. And if you haven't seen one, you already know where this is going now. BB howls in pain thinking Porkchop's attacking her. And of course, that's how everybody else who saw it interpreted it. 
telling Doug his dog bit BB and the shocked Doug immediately tells him he's a bad dog. And that's the opening. Yep. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Merry Christmas, everyone. I'll touch on a few other voices here because we kind of hear them very briefly. The voice of Skeeter and Porkchop. Now, Skeet. Oh, I feel sick. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, and Doug's lovely, lovely soundtrack of mouth sounds is the delightful Fred Newman. Yes, another legacy figure for Nickelodeon uh, as he was the host of uh, Nickelodeon's first original uh, talk show, Livewire. Yeah, I have faint, faint memories of Livewire. I don't know if I've ever actually watched it as a kid or if I just remember seeing commercials for it. The thing I remember Fred Newman from first is he was the co-host of the all-new Mickey Mouse Club in 1989. Yes, that's the thing he did right after Livewire. Okay. He jumped jumped ship. Okay. (laughs) Turncoat. Uh, and I discovered pretty early into Doug that he was doing the voices and the background noises for that, too. So, Yes, that classic. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, she's barely in this episode, too, but we've got to talk about Patty Mayonnaise. Yes. There! There's the pine cone we were using for a puck. Voiced by Constance Shulman. If you watched Orange is the New Black, she's Yoga Jones. Mm-hmm. You You get... Uh, Constance Shulman when you want a character to sound like Constance Shulman. Yes, I also remember immediately recognizing her voice in Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> She's this tour guide on the submarine tour. I haven't watched Weekend at Bernie's 2 in years and years. It was one of those things that was on HBO and I just decided, yeah, I guess I'm watching this. And they go into this submarine tour and the tour guide starts speaking and I'm like, that's Patty Mayonnaise. <laughs> Yeah, and she never puts any variance on the voice. She has one voice, and that's what she does. And she does it well. She does it very well. Not much in this episode. I don't think she has a line until, like, the very end. Yeah, I think you're right. I think we wait until then, but we see her here. Uh, And that's it for now. We catch up with Doug back home, continuing to lecture and scold Porkchop outside his doghouse, which I forgot is an igloo all the time, not just for Christmas. Mm Mm-hmm. Porkchop tries to plead his case, but despite having bipedal tendencies and a satellite dish on his igloo dog house, is still a dog and can only communicate with dog noises. But he's a clearly he's clearly an incredibly intelligent and sentient dog, though. Oh yeah, I think he, who has a I'm, I guess has a TV in his igloo because he has a satellite dish, and also as we'll later learn is. Uh, an incredibly active part of the uh, community. Oh, yes. Um, I I feel like at some point you got to develop like a proper communication system with this guy. You would think. Like teach him to write. That's exactly what I was going to say. Teach him to write. (laughs) But but until then, he's trying to pantomime his attempt to keep BB away from the thin ice. But Doug doesn't understand. He's still mad. So he makes pork chop go in his igloo and think about what he did. While Doug goes out Christmas shopping with his sister, Judy. Come on, Dougie. Only two more Christmas shopping hours until mom gets home. Voiced by Becca Lish, who's apparently was also a regular voice on MTV Celebrity Deathmatch as correspondent Stacy Cornbread. Uh, but she was simply credited as Ms. L. That's M-Z period L. <laughs> I mean, uh, granted, if... 
I wouldn't want to be associated with Celebrity Deathmatch either. (laughs) One thing I forgot coming back to this show is how all the cars look like the car Homer Simpson designed in No Brother Where Art Thou. (laughs) You're right. It's like a mix between that and I think they're trying to... They remind me of the Jetsons little spaceships. Yeah. But they do end up looking more like Homer's car. Good reference point. Thank you. <laughs> well, while they go shopping, we tune into K Bluff Radio and a one man call in talk show, he said on the podcast, hosted by Bluffington's now former mayor, Bob White. Next caller. Hello, mayor. Is it all right if I still call you mayor? Well, as you know, due to a fluke election, I'm not the official mayor at the moment. But since the current mayor is away for the week, Tippy creamed him at the polls. Vote for me. And I didn't realize as a kid that the voice of the mayor was Greg Lee from Where in the World is Carmen San Diego. Yep. Did you know that as a kid? As a kid, no. Okay. I never put voices together. I was really bad at that as a kid. I hear it now, but when I first found out, I remember being really surprised. Not Joker was Mark Hamill surprised, but up there. (laughs) Uh, So the former mayor is on the air. And if you just thought, oh boy, politician with a radio show and a cartoon for children, then buckle up because this sets up the rest of the dang episode. Yep. Boy, am I glad we're recording this after election week. Yes, it's uh, seeing an off-color politician... Uh, try to fib his way into good graces is uh, reads a lot differently a week ago. (laughs) This is about to get really interesting. Someone calls in to talk about the dog who attacked that poor girl and the ex-mayor jumps out of his chair. What? But we leave him for now and catch up with Doug and Judy at the mall, not really shopping together as much as they're shopping next to each other. Yes. Because Doug's going on about feeling like he was too hard on pork chop while Judy's trying to decide which golf club to get for her dad, and neither's listening to what the other's saying. That's a running theme in this whole special. No one's listening to anybody else. Nope. I do find the golf club gag it's incredible. It's it's very much a dad ish joke. Uh, I know I'll buy dad needs a new nine iron. I'll buy a seven and a two. <laughs> I don't know. It's simple, but I love it. Oh, yeah. No, that's perfect. That that's that got a laugh out of me. But what I like here and I don't think I noticed before this part was that the artist took care to draw everyone in bulky jackets. Mm hmm. Like, yeah, any artist can put a jacket on a character, but everyone's belly's a little rounder to suggest they're in multiple layers. It's cold wherever Bluffington is. There's a real illustrated storybook look to this whole series. Like, you could take a still frame uh, from any shot in this show, and it would look like uh, a storybook uh, illustration. Yeah, you're right. It's very uh, light colors and very uh very purposefully drawn uh designs here it's really kind of this this almost kind of watercolor look to it that you don't see that often and so it's a really nice looking show it is a nice looking show and it, and it really shines here now that they can add christmas decorations and snow everywhere 
But when they get home, there's a big, loud, angry crowd surrounding their house now. There's a traffic cop, a news van, and Doug has to push his way through to find officers taking pork chop away in handcuffs and a muzzle. While Doug's parents just stand behind him and just hold each other sadly. Not mad or anything that they're taking their dog away from him. but They're not very in. Well, by Doug's insistence, they're not very involved. I guess you're right. Yeah, I'm thinking, wow, these parents are being really passive about this whole situation. But yeah, you're right. D- Doug kind of insists that he's my dog. I'll be the one to d- uh, help him. But for now, here's the former mayor announcing, thanks to me, the children of Bluffington are safe from this brutal trained killing machine. With that, <laughs> And then he's got backup singers. He brought the jingle choir with him. That brutal killing machine. <laughs> <laughs> they take away pork chop despite Doug's protests, and later he's asking his parents, can they even do that? Dad tries and fails to reassure him. But again, neither parent is really jumping to do anything about it. Just sorry, son, and beloved family pet, our hands are tied. Yeah, they're going to put him to sleep. What can we do? Well, I wouldn't worry too much, son. This time of year, everybody's thinking about peace on Earth and goodwill toward dogs. Douglas, are you sure Porkchop was just trying to play with BB? Of course, Mom. You know Porkchop. He wouldn't hurt a flea. Uh, the voice of Doug's parents are Becca Lish again, his mom, and dad is Doug Prius, who's mostly known for this, but on Thundercats, he was Aluro, one of the evil lunatics from the moons of Plundar. <laughs> And starting in 1999, he was the voice of the titular character in the Fred on Your Head show. That's P-H-R-E-D, Fred, the mascot of Noggin.com. Yes. Who lived in the dot of the URL. Yes, I had uh, I had siblings young enough that uh, Noggin was on all the time uh, when it premiered. And I never, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that. Fred on Your Head. Huh. Neither did I. I did not watch a lot of Noggin. I, I kind of missed the Noggin boat and jumped right into uh, Gas when that started. I was in college by then, so I was very interested mm. in Wild and Crazy Kids reruns and missed Noggin. Yeah, don't need don't need no uh, three two one contact reruns when I got Legends of the Hidden Temple right here. <laughs> well, three two one contact reruns also interested me. Is that what was on there? It was three two one contact. It was a lot of P- old uh, PBS stuff. Yeah. Oh man. Maybe I did miss something. I just I think it's funny that it's the mascot who lives in the dot of the URL because it's 1999. Dad answers the door and comes back with a letter for Doug from BB's father's lawyer who's pressing charges against the dog. And Doug says it's ridiculous, but not for the same reason I think it's ridiculous, because it's charges against the dog. Oh, that dog has a social security number. (laughs) You're probably right. That dog is legally recognized by the state. (laughs) No, Doug thinks it's ridiculous because Porkchop's a nice dog. And that's the idea that sets off a light bulb in his dad's head. Oh, we can get everyone to sign a petition saying what a nice dog Porkchop is. And I'm thinking, man, I know y'all are in 1993. But they say that about every mass killer. Oh, he seemed nice. Jeffrey Dahmer helped me with my groceries once. <laughs> right. And here's where Doug decides because Porkchop is his dog and his best friend. 
He wants to take the initiative to get the signatures. So he goes around his neighborhood, starting with his next door neighbor, Mr. Dink. <laughs> well, of course I'll sign, Douglas. All right. I just wish Tippy was in town. I know she'd want to sign, too. <laughs> also voiced by Fred Newman. It's very expensive. Yes. Greg, this is also from the Doug Wiki with no citation, but have you ever read the name Dink is supposed to stand for double income, no kids? Income, no kids, yes. I When I fi- figured that out, my little little nuclear bomb went off in my temple. Yeah. Like in the cartoons. Like, my mind was blown. What a weird joke to hide in a cartoon about adolescence. <laughs> but Mr. Dink happily signs Doug's petition, adding he wishes his wife Tippy wasn't on vacation so she could also sign it. Tippy is the current mayor of Bluffington. Yes. They alluded to that back at the radio station where the former mayor has her face on a dartboard. That's not menacing. No, and that's how I imagined every talk radio studio. <laughs> But after that, Doug doesn't have much luck getting signatures. The adults either don't want to get mixed up in it, or they think it's inappropriate on Christmas. This is supposed to be a happy time. This isn't happy. These characters are important because they're going to come back. And when you learn more about them, their reaction here seems incredibly cold. It does seem incredibly cold. And, and Doug was never... Doug, the show, was never afraid to get real like this to kids, which is saying something, considering how quirky this show's universe is. Yeah, we haven't even gotten into the Christmas pastries that are also weapons. Oh, no. (laughs) Doug passes a store with a TV in the window showing a news reenactment of the dog attack, and it's ridiculous. But first off, y'all, the local news doesn't do reenactments. Or at least it sure the hell shouldn't because, like, America's most wanted or unsolved mysteries territory. Not on the local 5 o'clock news. Especially not a reenactment that requires a very specifically trained dog. Right. Uh, And secondly, I think this is the part of the episode where I started to ask myself, how much of what we're seeing is Doug embellishing? Because every episode of Doug is framed around him writing in his journal. Is this whole show just the version of his life that he's writing and what we're seeing may be very thinly stretched? Oh, that is getting into some, it was all a dream territory right there. We are. Because uh, we can see his daydreams. That's a big part of the series, but I don't think at this part of the episode we've seen one yet. No. But, but that, like Doug's outfit in this, is a layer upon another layer and now I'm wondering how deep this rabbit hole goes, but we'll kind of touch on that a bit later. But for now, Doug tries to visit BB at the hospital, but is stopped by her dad, who says she's much too traumatized to talk to anyone right now. Poor chap didn't mean to hurt BB. He was just playing or something. Well, I think we'll let the court decide whether putting an innocent girl in the hospital is just playing with her. BB's elitist father, Bill Bluff, also voiced by Doug Prius, is the richest man in Bluffington, and we will see more of his influence later. But he straight up tells Doug, Dog. He straight up tells Doug he doesn't like dogs. They don't have any money. They don't even know what money is. I'm pretty sure, well, Porkchop does have money, and he does know what money is. <laughs> uh, uh, I... I 
there's just this. I I I want to jump to it because this is this amazing scene near the end of this episode. But we'll 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 wait. Okay, that satellite dish didn't pay for itself. You do have a point. Yeah. But neither Mr. Bluff nor this show is pulling any punches. And here, Doug tells us via his journal he needed help and he knew just who to turn to. And here's where we finally take a trip into one of Doug's daydreams, as evident by the iconic, I'm imagining this wind whipping sound like a That's it. Well done. Uh, Whom Doug turns who happens to be three imaginary versions of himself we've seen in previous episodes. We have Race Canyon, the Indiana Jones stand-in. We have the superhero Quail Man. And the British secret agent Smash Adams. You thought the Avengers was an ambitious crossover. <laughs> Well, and this all together on the screen at once, this is the only time this has ever happened in the history of Doug, both Nickelodeon and Disney. Yep. So they've all been summoned by Doug himself. This is a meeting he set up with his imaginary alter egos in his brain as a means of working out how to bust pork chop out of the dog pound. This is how he plans his out. Now, there's this fan theory that explains Doug's daydreams as having a mental disorder. I don't know about that. I still daydream a lot. I'm 40. Not quite as vividly as Doug, but that's because this is a cartoon. It's the same as Calvin and Hobbes. It's an artist trying to show us what a vivid imagination looks like by kind of hyper-exaggerating it. Yeah, I don't buy into most of that kind of... uh Ash is in a coma in a hospital in the world of Pokemon or uh, the the only one of those that ever is actually actually true is this is sane elsewhere. Yep. Everything else is just <laughs> is just <laughs> malarkey. Hey, cousin Tommy. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're right. That That's the only one that that pans out. But this show certainly made me feel better about it by kind of presenting daydreaming is not a weird thing and to be ashamed about, but maybe learn to control it better than these kids. So I'm very thankful for this show. And I don't put stock into those fan theories either about the whole series about a kid who's crazy. That's not helpful. No. And it's not fun. It's really it's not, not. It's it's not good TV. It's not good TV. It's not good clickbait. Doug will return in a moment. <laughs> Nicktoons are now at Pizza Hut. Nickelodeon's Doug, Rugrats, Ren, and Stimpy on their own kids' pizza pack. You get a personal pan pizza, glasses, and a magic motion cup. Collect all three. Each pizza pack is $2.99 only from Pizza Hut and Nickelodeon. You're watching Nickelodeon. And now back to Doug. So it's Smash Adams who helps Doug think to himself he needs someone technical to create a gadget to help bust out pork chop. And that prompts him to visit his pals, the Techie Twins, Al and Moose Leech. We think we may have just the thing for you, Doug Funny. During Christmas break, we have worked out many devices here in our father's bakery that combine the delicious flavor of holiday baked goods with state-of-the-art weapons technology. Voiced by Eddie Corbick, who's prominently a stage actor. Most notably in the original Broadway cast of The Little Mermaid as Scuttle, and in 
uh, a Christmas story of Santa Claus. <laughs> and he was an understudy in Wicked to Dr. Dilliman and the Wizard. He's both twins here, Al and Moo, whose dad is a baker, a source of shame for them in an earlier episode. But here they use his bakery to create their own devices disguised as dessert, including a smoke bomb cupcake, which they present to Doug. It's not it's not even devices. They're very specific. These are weapons. Yes, they use the word weapons. They use the word these cakes, these pastries, these little candy cane things. We don't see how they're weapons, but all of them are lethal. Yeah. <laughs> this, this is, a, uh, but including the smoke bomb cupcake, which they present to Doug to use at the pound to distract the guard. So now Doug, accompanied by Skeeter, go to the dog pound where there's a big sign at the guard's desk. No cupcakes. Hey, Mike, what's your favorite part of Christmas? Mine's always the jail heist. <laughs> I do. No cupcakes. It's like the anti-Deus Ex Machina. <laughs> well, if the cupcake's not going to work, Doug signals to Skeeter, who pretends to faint. And the guard pays zero attention to Skeeter. He's much more enamored with this cupcake. He is. Even cares about the sign behind him. Maybe that's what. Maybe that's it. The guard gets distracted by cupcakes. That wasn't a sign he put there. That's a sign management put there. <laughs> no cupcakes because this guard is just gonna go to town <laughs> now i know your weakness and it allows doug to sneak inside and find pork job so there's a helpful blue hound dog who looks a dead ringer for foofer points out a room at the end of the hall labeled very bad dogs inside of which he finds a long spiral staircase eventually leading to another room labeled very, very bad dogs. And this reinforces the point, maybe we're actually seeing the embellishment in Doug's journal. But I'm game. Maybe I wouldn't put it past Bluffington to have very, very bad dogs at their dog pound, like five stories below the surface level. But He did get in here by giving a guard a cupcake that's also a smoke bomb. Very true. Like, we are just beyond any sense of reality <laughs> the very very bad dog's room is a dark cell with a dim red light and a smaller darker cage where pork chops being held but doug finally trips an alarm and is kicked out leaving the tearful pork chop behind back at home he starts to remember his past christmases with pork chop oh here's the christmas part of the episode everyone yeah you got there we did it. This in the end, and that's it. This is where I remembered, oh, yeah, it's a Christmas special. I'm watching this for my podcast. <laughs> There's kind of a Christmas Carol vibe here. He remembers the Christmas he got pork chop as a puppy who was wrapped in a box. And hey, don't wrap pets in boxes. No. They're much more fun when they can breathe. Don't give pets unless you, the parent, are ready to dedicate yourself to the pet. Absolutely. On Christmas. Then Doug remembers last Christmas when Porkchop gave Doug his iconic journal, followed by a vision of Christmas yet to come at Porkchop's rainy gravestone under a tree. Like they are very explicit. Like, this isn't Porkchop went to doggy jail. 
Porkchop is going to be put down yes. if Doug doesn't save him. Yeah, Porkchop's Tiny Tim. Shouldn't BB be Tiny Tim? She's the one with the cast on her leg. I'm jumping ahead. Next, we head to the courthouse where we see BB's dad imploring his pal, the judge, to make this short because he's missing a Christmas party. And this is the adulthood that Nickelodeon very often presented as if to say, be better people than this when it's your turn to be the adults. Exactly. And we're trying, man. Tr- trying. Trying is the key word here. We're... <laughs> Well, Capital T trying. Yes. Some of us. Porkchop is brought in with that muzzle again to audible gasps. And he's escorted to the defendant's seat. I noticed Patty sitting right behind Doug with his parents, which is nice to see that even though she's barely been a part of this, she's got Doug's dog's back. Yeah. And we hear from an expert witness dog psychologist who, who claims... Porkchop's unstable. Meanwhile, Porkchop's trying to show Doug using charades what actually happened at the lake again. Gotta got teach that dog to write. Seriously. He can do everything else as we're about to find out. But first, now the prosecution brings in BB, who's wheeled in on a wheelchair with a cast on her leg. And back in Doug's head, all of his alter egos are telling him, you didn't say bitter that hard. You're toast. Take a plea deal, and they start arguing till Doug shouts at himself, Quiet! I'm curious if I missed something, because I don't know if BB's, like, legit hurt, or if this is something her dad is making her play up. I don't fully understand this. I am pretty sold that it's her dad making a big deal, like, and she kind of hints at it here. She She's up there. She's recounting what happened on the stand, finally admitting, oh, it sounds worse than it really was before she can even finish that thought. The prosecutor cuts her off. So I think it's her dad just making a, a big it's it could be some corruption here, but it also could be, oh, no, my poor baby. What happened? Oh, a dog bit you. I'm going to get that dog for you, sweetie. I think it's more of a case of she can't really speak for herself when She's got daddy right there. That's fair. But yeah, her dad's lawyer cuts her off. Why doesn't Porkchop have a proper lawyer to object this? It's just Doug who wants his turn to ask some questions, despite Mr. Bluff saying his baby girl suffered enough and the judge going along with it. Isn't she a brave girl? Whole town's crooked. Tippy Dink shouldn't have left. No. Doug finally asks the judge, doesn't Porkchop get to tell his side of this story? But he's a dog. Yes, but but he's a part of our community, too. Like everybody here. Well, maybe not the biggest part, but I mean, isn't Christmas when we're supposed to to show how much we care about others? Show how much we care about everybody in the community? And here we get to the scene that ruined me. <laughs> I, it ruined me so much. I transcribed the entire thing. Oh, okay. Go for it. I have part of it, but as as Doug pleads with the people in the court that Porkchop is a good dog and deserves to be heard. Yes, he so he Doug goes to the audience, finds people. These characters uh, were only introduced in this episode. They're not characters we've gotten to know nope 
this whole time. So th- these are this is all new information to us. <laughs> uh, and they're, they're also the characters who Doug tried to sign a petition. Which sheds a lot of light on that scene now. Yeah. He goes, Mrs. Warts, when you went to Peakville to visit your Aunt Maxie, who babysat little Jimmy and Jeffy? Pork chop. <laughs> they let a dog babysit these children. Yup. And Mr. and Mrs. Larkin, when your house burned down, who was there the next morning with hammer and nails and a big batch of cookies too? Pork chop. <laughs> Can't talk, but he's got opposable thumbs. Got opposable thumbs. He's building houses and baking cookies. Baking cookies. Uh, somebody in the crowd speaks up. He lent me 20 bucks. <laughs> right. Dog. Which goes directly against BB's father's statement of dogs don't have money. They don't know what money is. Poor chop knows what money is. Oh, I didn't <laughs> think about that until right now. Yeah. Then another woman speaks up. He helped me fix my transmission. Right. I can't fix my own transmission. <laughs> I don't know what a transmission is. <laughs> and then a man, then a man stands up. He saved my hair. I don't know what that <laughs> means. <laughs> Last haircut he got, he made it into a toupee. Suddenly, everyone realizes Doug's dog is the town's George Bailey. And Judge Peterson, this is the best part. (laughs) The judge. And Judge Peterson, who was there after your daughter got in that accident? Who taught her to walk again? (laughs) What? The bipedal dog did, of course. (laughs) That one's my favorite. That's so wild. (laughs) Doug's having just these normal kid adventures. And anytime Porkchop's not off screen, he's helping car crash victims uh, recover their ability to walk. And he's (laughs) he's building houses and he's lending money. And what is Porkchop? (laughs) <laughs> what is he? I want to watch the pork chop show now. You're right. Doug's over here. Uh-oh, there's a dance coming up and I can't dance. All these people who were so uncaring and uh, venomously against pork chop, he built their houses and helped their daughter regain the ability to walk. And they're just looking over it because he's a dog. That's We should give him a lethal injection. (laughs) Thanks for your help. (laughs) And and here's where it makes the judge finally agree to reconvene at the lake where Doug asks BB, where were you exactly? And Patty finally gets another line in pointing out the pine cone still sitting on the ice. And BB now on crutches hobbles out to it. And here we go again. Unsupervised. Nobody's following her to see what she's looking at. And again, the sign fell into the water there. So Porkchop knows the ice is thin and he tries running out after again. But this time he's got security guards holding him on a leash. (laughs) He's panicking and Mr. Bluff immediately says he's doing it again. Who cares if my daughter would have been a paraplegic without him? (laughs) But now BB actually does fall into the thin ice and with everyone in shock, 
Porkchop dives in and rescues her. Oh, and everybody immediately forgives the dog again. Ooh. And then the dog uh, barks at a cat and everyone forgets about the time Porkchop performed CPR on their grandmother. Right, pretty much. We cut to a crowd back in front of the news cameras as Patty gets to explain. That's what he was doing? He was trying to keep Bebe away from the thin eyes. Porkchop! And the dog's labeled a hero again for a weekend. Gets his name cleared in the papers, and all Christmas Day, people come by to apologize and thank Porkchop. Including Bebe and her dad, and hey, Bebe, where's your cast? <laughs> now... The Doug Wiki, bless their hearts, called this a technical goof. Nah, man, that's intentional. BB was fine. Yeah, probably. But I don't blame her. I don't blame her. She's clearly overcoddled by her dad and everyone around her to the point where they won't even let her speak for herself. So don't do what Bill Bluff does, parents. But to his credit, he wants to repay Porkchop, who apparently asks in some form... He asks for a fancy Christmas dinner for all the dogs in the pound. I guess Doug translated it, or because he didn't learn how to write yet. It's a pretty, pretty specific wish there. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Porkchop says he wants uh, a pineapple with wieners stuck to it somehow. <laughs> Some kind of toothpicks going into the pineapple. And, yeah. Doug, and Doug tells us the former mayor used his radio show to find new homes for all the dogs. What? <laughs> That's what he said. I guess all of the dogs at the <laughs> pound, because the Christmas dinners for all the dogs he met at the pound. Yeah, and I guess nobody came to, because naturally when you want a dog, you go to the pound and get a dog. Right. So, you, I, I, I'm thinking... Either the former mayor paid people to take in dogs. Oh, could be. Or Bluffington has uh, suddenly uh, opened up a new sausage industry. <laughs> it could be. They have a newfound appreciation for all the dogs after the one that saved all their families saved one more kid. Oh, right. Porkchop. He fought in the war. <laughs> <laughs> And, and we end with Mr. Bluff himself carving the roast beast. I mean, giving the toast a pork chop. The greatest hero Bluffington has ever seen. They sing. What do they sing? They sing Deck the Halls. They sing Deck the Halls. Pork chop is in a Santa costume. They just got it to be a Christmas special under the wire. And that's it. That's Doug's mostly heartwarming and secretly educational Christmas story. We get one last image before the credits roll of a Christmas card of sorts, showing Doug's family on Christmas morning. Doug receives a new banjo, Porkchop gets a new Walkman, and their Christmas tree is topped with an ornament of Mr. Dink's face. Did you catch that? I did not. Mr. Dinks in the in the star on top of the tree or the top ornament, one of the two. Oh. And on one close to the bottom, I think it's Doug's assistant principal, Mr. Bone, who wasn't even in this episode. Yeah. Weird tree. Weird tree. So this episode was written by uh, Ken Scarborough, who was a regular writer for the show. 
um, also uh, wrote for uh, Saturday Night Live between 2000 and 2004 and is the current head writer for Sesame Street. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Since uh, 2017. Okay. Um, the directors, Paul Sparagano, I think I'm pronouncing that right. And Murano Bushman. Uh, Murano Bushman uh, doesn't have a lot of uh, directing credits. Mostly did storyboard stuff for uh, shows like Rainbow Bright, uh, Super Mario Brothers Super Show, uh, <laughs> Camp Candy. Oh, Camp uh, Candy. Captain Planet, <laughs> Captain Planet and the Planeteers. Uh, Paul, uh, Paul Sparagano also directed a few episodes of Daria, but he was also as an animator, uh, worked on a advent calendar hall of famer, uh, deck the halls with wacky walls. Oh, did he? Yeah. Wow. He also did a special, uh, 1987, as an animator, Santa Bear's High Flying Adventure. Are you familiar with that one? I am. That's on my to-do list. <laughs> John Malkovich's Santa Claus? <laughs> yep. <laughs> it's amazing. Oh, I'm, I'm, I probably have to slide that in next year. Yeah. Maybe in the summer. We'll see. I'll find a good spot for it. Thank you for reminding me about that. <laughs> but. Any final thoughts on Doug in general or specific to his Christmas story? Uh, well, it's barely a Christmas story. Yeah. Um, it is very much a story set in winter, and they took advantage of that. Uh, there was another Christmas special uh, Christmas episode in Disney's Doug, um, which I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's definitely more Christmassy. Oh, yeah. It starts, it starts with a uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas spoof. Um Oh, that's right. But otherwise, it's, it's a pretty typical episode of Doug. It's uh, very sweet, very human, but also kind of unexpectedly weird. I think that defines the Doug experience. It really does. That's a good. That's a good period to the end of the sentence. That is Doug, at least on Nickelodeon. Very nice summary. Well, Greg, thank you so much for coming on. It's an honor and a pleasure to have you. Well, thank you for having me. It's been fun. Thank you. Uh, and if people want to divert your attention with a smoke bomb cupcake and feigning ill, where can they find you on the Internet? Uh, well, my YouTube channel is The Pop Arena. Uh, you can find me by searching knickknacks. That's uh, N-I-C-K-K-N-A-C-K-S. Uh, I also do videos and other subjects. I take requests. I'm doing a monthly series on the Goosebumps uh, series of horror books. You can also find me on Twitter uh, at pop underscore arena and uh, where I often uh, retweet funny clips of Alex Trebek. <laughs> I cannot recommend Greg's work enough. Knickknacks and the rest of the pop arena, but... I'm putting links in the show notes on this episode. You can find those anytime at adventcalendar.house. There you'll also find links to say hi to me on Twitter and Instagram. And I'll see y'all again in a couple of days. Until then, for Greg Stevens, from a dark box inside another dark box in the basement of a pound for very, very bad dogs, this is Mike Westfall saying, watch out for that icy patch.
And now, these messages. Hey, movie fans. Have you ever wanted just one more adventure from your favorite film heroes? Ever imagined an alternate entry in your favorite movie franchise that didn't suck? Then Sequel Quest is the podcast to make your wildest cinematic fantasies come true. Every episode, Adam, Jeff, and Jeremy pitch imaginary sequels, prequels, and reboots to your favorite movie franchises like E.T. the Extraterrestrial, cult classics like Surf Ninjas and the Monster Squad, famous flops like Jupiter Ascending, how about a third Tim Burton Batman film, or getting back on the ice with the Mighty Ducks. With over 100 episodes in our archives, you'll definitely find a favorite as the SQ crew reminisce about the films and find creative, cool, and wacky ways to continue the fun on the silver screen. Sequel Quest is presented by the Retro Network and can be found on any of your favorite podcast apps. Just search Sequel Quest and prepare yourselves for fake movie fun at its finest. Do you long for those casual Friday nights spent in on the couch, cuddled up with a blanket, maybe some delivery pizza without a care in the world? Then I have the podcast for you. Hey, I am Matt, and I am the host of TGI Podcast. As a product of the 1990s, I want to go back and take a look at all of the classic TGIF shows, as well as many other classic sitcoms from that era, to determine if they truly are a holiday classic. We've got you covered with Halloween and Thanksgiving in the fall before we go full steam ahead with Christmas in December. Come give us a listen if you want to take a trip down 90s Nostalgia Lane. Next time on the Advent Calendar House. What do you want with me? You will be haunted by three spirits. I'd rather not. Disney's A Christmas Carol.